0: Hey Awesome, yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're ready to stop falling into diet culture traps and finally put together a realistic plan on how to boost your energy. You might feel stuck because you can't quite kick the chocolate habit. The whole body love thing isn't getting the job done. Or maybe you're at an impasse because you are pushing it in the gym, but you can't figure out how and what to eat. How many times have you Googled best diet and found that the latest trend has failed you? Hey girl, I'm Jess registered dietitian, wife, mama, and total science and nutrition research junkie. I too used to be stuck in the cycle of insecurity and never feeling like my body was good enough. Then I tried to fix it with food only to end up right back where I started. I did some really hard work. I found food freedom. But then I was confused on how to eat healthy and get fit without falling back into diet culture crazy. I wish someone would have taught me the difference between discipline and obsession. I wanted to be the healthiest version of myself by balancing healthy eating with food freedom. Like, how do I actually eat healthy, get fit, and have donuts with my kids? It wasn't until I figured out this awesome balance between discipline and permission, the art of intentional eating with sprinkles of flexibility. The empowered eating model was born. Here on the show, we nix diet culture while creating values-based health goals. We reconnect with how our body responds to food through biofeedback. All the while figuring out a plan on how to get healthy and fit without sacrificing the most meaningful parts of life. Sustainability doesn't mean never eating your favorite food again i mean pizza is life right (laughs) we are here to finally not just feel comfortable but confident in our body i am so excited to fuel your awesome with empowered eating head on over to JessBrownRD.com and grab my three steps to empowered eating guide totally free or hop onto my e-course food foundations to get the step-by-step deets on how i got here all right you ready to take your inner awesome to the next level so grab that cup of coffee lace up those running shoes because girl it's time to go What's up, friends? I'm so excited for this bonus episode. Thanks for being here today. If you're returning, I'm so glad you're back. If you're new, This is an awesome one to tune into. I'm really glad you're here. We talk a lot about mind-body connection on this podcast and how that can help us in our relationship with food. But today, I have a special treat for you. We are talking about mind-body connection, in particular how it might pertain to exercise and how it can help us not only amplify or heal our relationship with exercise, but help us get the most out of the movement that we do really excited for this one. Um, I'm excited for actually a few reasons. So first of all, I just have to tell you guys like a little personal note here. It is a beautiful morning here in New Mexico. It is rainy, cold. And for those of you that are like, ugh, I don't like that weather. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm one who loves it. I always joke that like if you're one of those, between the two of us, one of us will always be in a good mood because I don't love the sun and like the hot days as much. But anyways, it's a great morning. I had my delicious cup of coffee and I just had to tell you guys, I have tried something new in the morning and it has just made my mornings. You guys know I'm a coffee lover. I mean, my logo is a ring of coffee. (laughs) I just love it. But one of the things I've done is I've actually replaced my second cup of coffee, my second cup of morning coffee with this new nootropic beverage. If y'all don't know what nootropics are, in short, they are cognitive enhancers. In fact, coffee is a (laughs) nootropic, but in this case, I've actually swapped that second cup for a new nootropic called magic mind guys. This is an awesome, awesome health shot that you can easily add to your morning routine. Magic Mind contains matcha, which is awesome for anti-inflammation, L-theanine, which reduces stress, and the thing about L-theanine that's super cool is it prevents that spike in cortisol levels and the inevitable crash that can come with having too much coffee. So who's guilty of that? Like too much coffee in the morning and all of a sudden it like counteracts which you were drinking it for in the first place. So Magic Mine has L-theanine matcha. It's also got some of my favorite adaptogens, ashwagandha and lion's mane. Just some incredible stuff here. So anyways, I added it to my morning routine. And I am like flying high. It's just such a great focused feeling. And I know it's going to help me bring you guys an awesome episode today. If you guys are interested in Magic Mind... Head on over to magicmind.co forward slash FHA for Fuel Her Awesome, and you guys can get 20% off your order. And if you enter FHA, that's FHA for Fuel Her Awesome, at checkout, you guys will get an extra 20% off your order. So super cool. Thanks to my friends over at Magic Mind who have given us all that discount. So clearly this has put me in a good mood, (laughs) and I'm really excited to talk about all this, but I'm also excited because I personally am an exercise junkie, and Being an exercise junkie, I've gone through ups and downs in my relationship with exercise. You know, it started off great and pure, and then it was corrupted by diet culture and pressure and wanting to mold my body. And I'm really fortunate that over time, I've been able to heal that. And a lot of that healing came with being in my body and generating something that we call interoceptive awareness when we exercise. And so today I have for you guys my one and only work wife, as I call her. She's been on the show several times before guys if you've heard her before you know you're in for a treat And if you haven't you guys are in for an extra special treat because she is a wealth of knowledge Her name is Kim Payne. She is a wife girl mom mama to the most active dog in New Mexico Literally her dog Nike holds the record for the most steps in all of New Mexico She specializes in the treatment of eating disorders, she has her master's degree in applied sports psychology, and as if that wasn't enough friends, she is currently pursuing her PhD in counselor education and supervision. She's a licensed professional clinical counselor and she's what I call my work wife. We get to do some really cool work together locally at a clinic that we contract out of and she's just one of those people I vibe with. We work really hard and we play really hard and I'm really excited you're here today, Kim. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jess. i glad to be back. I yeah. know. <laughs> you know, I just, before we dive into all the, the serious stuff, I'm thinking about Halloween coming up. Yeah. I loved our costume a couple <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so a couple of years ago at work, we dressed up as
1: I was three hole punch Jim. And I was Recyclops. <laughs> Dwight as Recyclops.
0: For those of you who don't know The Office, do yourself a favor and go watch The Office. Mm. But we had a good time. What are we going to be this year?
1: I don't know, Jess. I think we need to start thinking of some ideas. We could go to the office again. Yeah, I think so. I mean,
0: Recyclops does progressively get more intense, so maybe you could progress your Advance costume. it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, I'm excited about that. Okay, so today, Kim, we are talking about mind-body connection and how it connects to exercise and can actually teach us a lot about our relationship with our body. Now on this podcast, I use the word biofeedback all the time to talk about this, but there's another word that kind of breaks it down a little in a little bit more detail and that's interoceptive awareness. So tell us what that is and how you explain that to the clients you work with.
1: So interoceptive awareness is very similar to like biofeedback. It's more of the scientific term, but what we're looking at is the way that you're able to read your body's signals. So this is something as simple as Heart rate, but then it goes into respiratory changes, hunger, satiety, even like how you can tell your energy shifts after exercise, or maybe when you know your body's telling you you need to exercise. So all those internal internal cues that your body's giving you.
0: So it is essentially biofeedback. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So tell me about what made you interested in this particular topic specifically and how it pertains to exercise.
1: So there's so much evidence about, like, how exercise and interoceptive awareness are related to one another, and I'm really interested in this because we have a wealth of information about it, and the field that I work in, in eating disorders, it's not something that's necessarily touched on. So exercise can be seen as something we just do as a habit, but when it comes to being able to tell, like, how we're changing, how we can respond and communicate with our body, um, this Combination or this connection between interceptive awareness and exercise is huge. And I think if we're paying attention to it and we're paying attention to these factors that are involved, we can have a better connection with our body and be able to reduce some of the mental health issues that we see that oftentimes we can treat through a physical method, such as exercise, in a healthy way.
0: Yeah, because exercise is one of those. Like gray areas, right?
1: Yeah, it could be like the good or the bad. And sometimes people look at exercise as being like the only way to feel better. But I look at it as a way as like it's part of the puzzle. And taking it out of the puzzle doesn't give you a complete picture, just as like taking out mental health wouldn't either. You need both in order to function to the highest capacity that you're able to.
0: Yeah, so in other words, like if we don't pay attention to how our body's responding to exercise we're missing a huge piece of the benefits of exercise.
1: Yeah, so how your body's responding, but also like how your body's telling you you need to move. So it's Mm. back and forth. It's this communication from the mind to the body and then the body to the mind. So we got to think that we're one unit all together. And so it's this communication process that happens that we need to pay attention to and and really try to understand a little bit more.
0: Like how your body, tell me more about this, how your body needs to move. Like what might be some specific examples of my body telling me it needs to move a certain way?
1: So when I'm working with mental health, one of the things that happens a lot is people have like panic. So I look at that as like anxiety about anxiety. But really what's happening is the respiratory system and your heart rate is increasing to a point that your body's saying like, okay, we're ready to fight, we're ready to move, Mm. we need to be up and active. And that's an example of an extremism, so something that is already probably a problem. But if people think of um, lethargy or if they're just really tired, oftentimes those are signals that your body is needing to either sleep or it's lacking the exercise or the movement that it would have needed. And I think people confuse those often. So you're saying like if someone has
0: anxiety, their body is telling them they need to move,
1: If it's not something that's intertwined in something like an eating disorder, which you know, Jess, um, but oftentimes it is. If people are unable to get that energy out of their body, Mm -hmm. it turns into something else. And so it's that communication of what's your body trying to tell you that you need to do, but also then like what's exercise helping your body learn Mm -hmm. to how to communicate with other systems.
0: So what do we know from science right now about how important this connection is?
1: So, a lot of my research is on mental health. So, we have had studies that have been done that have shown that exercise has improved conditions such as PTSD. So, they take in people who have PTSD, put them on a regimen of anxiety or Excuse me, on exercise scales, and then they end up improving their symptoms. So Mm -hmm. they're having less anxiety, they're having less nightmares, less flashbacks, and it's not something extreme. They're being able to have like a 10 minute aerobic session and some yoga. So they have some split up of what they're being asked to do, um, and then they are improving their symptoms. So that's one of the areas, but also research has shown that interoceptive awareness has increased with these people, meaning that. They pay better attention to when they're tired, when they need to rest, when they're hungry. And so they start taking better care of themselves because they're moving. And it's kind of this whole system that works together.
0: Yeah, so it's almost like they're using exercise to develop that interoceptive awareness or enhance their ability to hear their body's biofeedback. And as a result, there's this just long list of benefits that come with that
1: right and we all know that there's benefits from exercise but I think just looking at it as like if you exercise you experience these benefits is missing some of these in-depth things such as One of the benefits is you actually have a better relationship with your body, not because you're feeling better in it, but because you can listen more to what your body's trying to tell you. Oh,
0: that's so cool. Because I know um, one of my favorite areas of research is how weightlifting improves body image. Yeah. And, but they've never explained why. They just Mm -hmm. looked at the correlation between people who have body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. or feel uncomfortable in their body and they start lifting weights, they feel better. And like, I can definitely speak to this, you know, I love to lift weights and the more I did it, the more I just felt. Better my body, but what you're saying is the reason people feel better is because they're more connected to their body. They're able to read what their body needs through. Like an exercise like opens that door.
1: Yeah, and that's really cool. And doing this research and along the lines of lifting weights and feeling better about body image, there's also research that shows that people who have poor body image and are exercising not at an extreme rate, but are exercising these small amounts, have better interceptive awareness, also feel better about themselves. So it's not again like just because your body's changed, you feel better, but it's because you have this more Like intimate relationship with your body where you understand your limits and maybe even can push past those so that you're building confidence and also being able to take care of yourself.
0: That's so cool. So what might be some obstacles people who, because let me back up. So what I'm hearing is, okay, we got to get moving. Like (laughs) we need to move and we need to listen to our body while we move. What might be some obstacles people come up against in when they are exercising that would prohibit or prevent them from developing that interoceptive awareness?
1: So I think part of it, which we have to make sure we're paying attention to, is if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. So I always look at when people are exercising or telling me that they have to do it, like, do you like to do it? And I think that's going to pay attention to with interceptive awareness, because if we're looking at this communication between your mind and your body, if the entire time you're screaming like, I hate this, make (laughs) it end, you're not going to be able to pay attention to those body cues. So your system's going to want to work, but your mental health is going to be getting in the way.
0: And how would you describe the difference between like not liking something but then pushing your body past its comfort zone because I think those are two different things.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's where we look at like just where you feel emotionally about it. Do you get something from it? Like, do you value doing it? So if you don't like running, but you're forcing yourself to run every single day, like what the heck, why? What's the purpose of that? Mm -hmm. And so it's looking at like, what are you doing? Not just to push yourself, because I think there's some of that, but also that you're enjoying what you're doing. So if you don't like running, maybe you're lifting weights or maybe you're doing something else and that's all up to the individual person, but you're never gonna be able to form that better connection if you're doing something you hate every single day.
0: What if I like it afterwards, but I hate it during?
1: And I think maybe that's your checklist. Like, what is it that I like afterwards? Mm. So maybe you hate it during, but then I wonder, like, do you really hate it during, or are you just, like, having that resistance come up because mm. you're scared or you feel or you're uncomfortable? Well, yeah, or yeah, you're uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking through this with my boys right now because we're putting them in jujitsu, <laughs> and it's so funny because... This is the first time they've done something physically demanding. Yeah. And the first day my son came home and he was like, I don't want to do it anymore. I hate it. Mm -hmm. And so we probed him. We're like, why don't, why didn't you like it? And pretty much he didn't like it because it was hard. Right. It was like, it hurt. Right. And so I had this little internal debate where I was like, do I push him to do it again? Because I want him to know he can do hard things. And at the same time, I don't want to force him to do something he doesn't want to do. Right. So I I don't know. How do you navigate that?
1: I think that's more of a, like, little kid thing, right? It's like, we do that as an adult, but as mm-hmm. an adult, you can see the pros and cons. And kids are very much their survival instinct. They're like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Mom, don't make Why me. Why would I do wall sits? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this is horrible. Why are you signing me up to do this for fun? But I think then is, like, talking to them afterwards. Because I can bet, just like my kiddo is like, she'll tell me she hates something, but then she's like, watch what I learned to do, Yeah. like, a day later. And so I'm sure that the positive comes a little bit later for them.
0: But I think we can learn from that because for sure you know I just think of so many people a lot of like the clients I work with are introducing exercise back into their lives and it's it's a tricky line to walk when they're trying something, and I'm like, "Do something that you love, and at the same time, know that, that you hate." Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's hard.
1: Well, <laughs> I think that maybe like some afterthought on that is the interoceptive awareness stuff. It's not going to shift overnight. Mm-hmm. It's when you're doing something consistently. So, just like the studies was showing, is that these were repeated things they were doing for. Mm. I think one was six weeks, and the other was eight weeks. So they weren't doing it every single day, and they were short intervals. It was like 20 to 30 minutes per day that they were doing, but then they were able to recap afterwards. So in thinking about that, it's like, it's not going to happen overnight, but it is something that changes. And then that changes for a long time. If you continue doing it, you just have this better improved relationship with your body.
0: Oh, that's so good. Okay. So for listeners that are hearing this and going, okay, I'm ready to enhance my, my own biofeedback, my own interoceptive awareness through movement. What are two ways they can get started on this process?
1: So consistency is key. So picking something that you feel like you can routinely do for about four to six weeks, just so that you can get your body kind of in that groove, that you can be able to notice the changes. And with that is logging the changes. So like writing down daily, like do you notice any shifts in how you're feeling in your energy levels, in your hunger levels? Do you notice any changes in your heart rate? For those out there that have anxiety or have panic attacks, do you notice any changes in those? Are they reduced? Are you sleeping any better? Like checking out all of our body's natural things and keeping a log of like what the differences are over that time.
0: I love that. Okay, so you're saying committed action. Like you got to commit to it. Yes. So if it's running, commit to it for four weeks. And if you still hate it after four weeks, reevaluate. Right. But you've got to try it consistently. Right. Um, and then the second one is logging and reflecting. And I, will, I love that you said that because – I will say a lot of like my one-on-one work with folks is just this is helping them like giving them the prompts to evaluate why this worked or why it didn't work. Right. Because so many of us go through exercise and it's like just on our to-do list we check the box and then we're on to the next thing rather right. than going oh, hey, when I move, Mm -hmm. I feel better and I'm more resilient during the day and I sleep better and like all the things you just said. So logging it. I love that. I love that. Okay, so you are actually doing more research in this area. Tell me a little bit about the study you're developing and what you're looking into.
1: So this is a continuation of a study I started last year, but I am specifically looking at people who have um, been diagnosed with an eating disorder, not necessarily in treatment now, but have had some kind of treatment I'm 18 years or older, and I'm looking at this connection between exercise and interoceptive awareness in people with eating disorders. And the big part for that, and just you know this, is Exercise is not a big part of eating disorder treatment. So there's part of me that's mm-hmm. like, what what the heck? Why not? I mean, we have all this research that shows that it helps you create this great contact with your body and you build your relationship, um, but we're not using it. So the research is really aimed to see like what the connection is in this specific population to hopefully advance the field and maybe not make exercise and eating disorder treatment so taboo.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Some of the connection points like came out just in 2016. Like it's very, very new. And even when there was a major study that came out in 2016, that was recommending exercise in the treatment of eating disorders. And, you know, guys, whether you've had an eating disorder or not, I think we've all been at some point where we've had like a disordered relationship with food or our bodies. So even if those words don't necessarily relate to you, I know this whole practice can still help you heal because we've all been impacted by the rules and diet culture and expectations of our body. But anywho, uh, getting back to like this relationship with exercise and using it as a tool to heal our relationship with our body is super powerful. So you're looking for folks who at one point did have an eating disorder and have gone through some form of treatment. They've got to be over 18 years old. And then what, do they, what happens in the study? Like what, what do they have to do?
1: So it's really just two questionnaires, one so that I get to know like who my population is. And it is diagnosed with an eating disorder, um, but one of the ones on there is unspecified. So even if you've seen a dietitian or you've seen somebody else to work on this disordered relationship with food, you could qualify for this study. Um, so filling out that demographic survey and then completing a multidimensional assessment for interoceptive awareness um, that tests kind of this relationship with your body. And it goes to all extremes, like how you do feel about those physical like signs that we talked about before, but also to this relationship, like your trust in your body, your comfort in your body, so that I get a whole picture on how exercise or your relationship with exercise maybe influences those factors. So it's just two questionnaires, that's it? Two questionnaires takes about... Um, 30 minutes is even maybe a little bit of an overestimate, Um, a little bit less than that. And then I'm going to offer um, a raffle. So five people that participate will win a $20 gift card um, just to help get some participants in the study. And really my aim is to empower like the people. So a big part of this is that providers are scared of introducing exercise into treatment, Mm -hmm. not necessarily patients. So I really want to put this on like what is helpful to the people that are in this study, Mm -hmm. not necessarily like what's helpful to the providers.
0: I'm so grateful you're doing this. So folks, if you guys are listening and you you share this passion of advancing the resources that are available to people who support people with eating disorders or disordered eating, help us with this study. So all you have to do is fill out two questionnaires. I'm going to have the info in the show notes of how you can get connected with Kim. If you guys are on my email list, I'm sending out some information today on how to get connected with her. It's only 30 minutes of your time and it has a huge impact on the field of eating disorder treatment and it's going to give a lot of tools to the clinicians who are out there supporting folks.
1: And if you are not necessarily interested in the study or don't meet the criteria to participate and you're still interested in knowing about your interceptive awareness, um, please just reach out to me via my email paink at adams.edu and I'm happy to send along the assessments that we're using. I know I'm gonna try it. It's fascinating. I did it myself and I was a little bit surprised at what I found. Do you
0: you feel comfortable sharing what you were surprised about?
1: I think, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to share. So I have a pretty good connection with my body, type Mm -hmm. 1 diabetic, so I have to, I don't really get a choice, but there's like aspects of, like I mentioned before, like body trust and I don't have that, which then I think ties (laughs) into like, again, being type 1 diabetic is like, it's also a little bit of a toss up of can you trust your body? So that's one aspect that I'm working on in particular, both in my relationship with extra and maybe that means pushing myself a little further and also just where I'm at therapeutically.
0: That's really cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So thanks again for coming on today, Kim. I will make sure all of your resources are linked in the show notes and I'm just super grateful for what you're doing, Kim. Thanks for working on this research. I know I, for one, am going to benefit from it and
1: I know the future will as well. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jess. And also, what are we going to be for Halloween? I have no clue.
0: (laughs) Okay. Open to to suggestions. (laughs) TBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go. If you like today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Feel Her Awesome podcast, leave a review, and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step e-book on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.